0: You're listening to The Sermon Podcast of International Lutheran Church in Seoul, South Korea. I'm Pastor Chuck Hoffman. This message will be based on our gospel reading from the Gospel of John. Peace and quiet, that is something that people talk about. Uh, They talk about wanting to get more of it. They talk about not having enough of it. I can tell you that, as a parent, these past two years, and especially recently, this past week or so, peace and quiet is in short supply. Both of those things, peace and quiet. And uh, not a lot of peace lately, not a lot of quiet. Of course, We will have zero of it actually in about two months from now uh, when the newborns arrive as well. And I expect to just go numb at that point and not care anymore. But right now I still kind of care and I still hope for peace and quiet from time to time. But this week was a difficult week. Our girls are sleep trained. They sleep in their own bedroom. They each have their own crib that they sleep in right next to one another. And they usually sleep through the night. They sleep quite well, usually 10 hours or so. They sleep in the afternoon as well for 90 minutes. We have a system, and it's a very exact system. But this uh, whole system kind of broke down uh, this week. And so we've had a lot of crying and yelling and screaming. It all happened because Uh, Jean is pregnant. You guys know that, right? You've seen that. Uh, She's pregnant, and it's getting harder and harder for her to pick up the girls and put them into the crib. And so we said, let's take the sides off of the crib. The cribs are designed to change into infant beds. All you do is you take the side off of it. And so on Monday, I did this. I took my little... Allen wrench uh, from Ikea and I did this for about an hour and then now we had infant beds instead of cribs and we thought that was a good idea but we were a little bit scared (laughs) because now the girls would have freedom they could get out of their bed they could walk out the door they could do whatever they wanted now the first day was okay I think they didn't really understand that they had freedom They just went in there and they laid down and they said, That's pretty cool. I can get into the bed all by myself. But then the next day they both got a little bit sick with a cold and they started to get grumpy and they started to get clingy. And then nap time just completely stopped working. Um, For Tuesday they did not get a nap. On Wednesday they did not get a nap. I said to Jean, I said, Jean, I think Annalise is bothering Elsie. She said, well, why do you say that? I said, well, I walked in and Annalise was stomping around inside Elsie's crib. And Elsie was in the corner of her crib, clinging to her little broccoli stuffed animal and just crying. I said, Annalise is bullying Elsie. This is not working. So on Thursday, we finally relented after three days of no naps and all of the fussing that goes along with that, I said, I'm putting the sides back on the cribs. So I grabbed my tiny little Allen wrench supplied by Ikea, and I uh, put the sides back onto the cribs, and I thought, maybe they could get a nap right now, even though it's late, it's 4 p.m., maybe, even though they're crying hysterically, maybe I'll just put them in there and they can calm down. And so Gene and I did that. We put them in the two cribs. We shut the door, we walked out. And we both gave a big sigh, and we said, do you think they can fall asleep? And just as we said that, here comes Elsie, screaming, running down the hallway right toward us. So she had climbed out of the crib. (laughs) She climbed right over the side that I had just reinstalled onto the crib. She just jumped over. So we laughed. That's all we could do after three or four days of this. We just laughed. But it was the kind of laughing you do when you're crying on the inside. (laughs) Peace and quiet. You know, but these are really just small issues. Our girls are having a bad week, uh, but this too shall pass. Uh, They both have a little bit of a cold, so we're wiping their nose, but This is nothing compared to a serious illness. And if I ask myself if I would remember this in five years, I would say probably I will not. Still, there are times in life where we face much greater challenges, challenges that can be life-changing, challenges which leave us in a state of doubt or fear or worry. What do you do when you learn that you have a serious illness? What do you do when you find yourself in some kind of legal trouble? What do you do when you go to work every day, but you're not sure if this is going to be your last day at this particular job? What do you do when your whole life purpose is suddenly taken away from you? That's what the disciples were facing on that Sunday evening, in this locked room. They had real reason to be afraid. Their leader had been put on trial and killed just two days earlier. The authorities were sure to try to go after his followers next. With the leader taken out, it's much easier to round up his followers and take care of them. And it would have been good to do it while they were still in Jerusalem, while the Passover was still taking place. Get them while they're still here. John tells us it's evening, that it was dark. They must have wondered if their location was known, if it had been compromised. Their group had been betrayed once already. Maybe it would happen again. I can only imagine any, any knock on the door of that, of that room or, or any shuffling of a foot against gravel just outside the door. It must have put them on edge. And what's more, they were dealing with these reports from Mary and some of the other women that they had seen Jesus alive. So you can add confusion to all of those other emotions. And I can identify with that, confused and scared. That seems to describe so much of my life. Any time I think I've finally mastered a life stage and I say, okay, I feel like I've got this figured out, and then suddenly God takes me and puts me into something new, which is challenging and scary and confusing. It doesn't matter what life stage you are at, There's always going to be something that has you worried. That's why I think it's so significant that when Jesus appears suddenly in the midst of his friends, he says, Peace be with you. And he doesn't just say it once, he says it twice. Peace be with you. Of course, this was a common greeting. This was ordinary, as common as hello. If you have ever been to a Muslim-majority country, you would be very familiar with this Arabic phrase, "Salam aleikum. And Hebrew has a very similar equivalent, Shalom ala kem. And both of those mean peace be with you. It's like hello in those cultures, in those languages. And it's funny to realize that in Korean, it's the same thing. Annyeonghaseyo literally means peace, be with you. In Chinese, the standard greeting is Hao, which means literally you good. But among Chinese Christians, the standard greeting has become pingan, which means peace. Peace be with you is a wonderful way of greeting somebody. But with Christ, it's much more than a greeting. It's much more than a wish. He is peace itself. He is the Prince of Peace. And it's no mistake that he says it twice. John has promised it twice within his gospel. The first time happens in chapter 14. This is uh, Jesus' words. He says this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. And then again, two chapters later, he says this, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation." But take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus was so clear in his teachings that we will have trouble in this world, in this life. Things will not go smoothly. Things will not go according to plan. Uh, Cars break down. Phones slip from our hands and break on the ground. Uh, They've actually said recently that your phone breaking is more stressful than uh, losing a job now for people. And I can't believe that. Gene and I have broken a lot of phones actually the past couple years. One went in the washing machine uh, with the clothes. One went into the sink with the dirty dishes and got filled up with water. One dropped in the kitchen, broke on there. One broke on the stairs right behind the church here as I walked down the stairs. And it is stressful, I can tell you that. But what's even worse is when relationships break down. When people hurt us, either unintentionally or even worse, when they harm us intentionally. And the disciples were definitely at this point of tribulation on that Sunday night, this time when darkness fell. But in the warmth of that room, and in the lamp light, here is Jesus appearing, and he breathes on them. Receive the Holy Spirit, he says. It's helpful to know that in Hebrew, spirit and wind and breath is all the same word. So Jesus breathes on on them and He says, receive the Holy Spirit. He's reenacting God in creation in the book of Genesis, breathing into the nostrils of Adam, breathing life into Him. And Jesus breathes on the disciples, giving them the breath of God, the Holy Spirit of God. And that was strength for the task ahead. You see, Christ brought salvation to Israel, but now he says, just as the Father sent me, now I send you. They had a much greater task. They needed to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. They were told that if you forgive sins, it is forgiven. That's why I say that at the beginning of service. I forgive your sins. It's because Christ commanded the church to do that. If you forgive sins, they're forgiven. If you retain them, they are retained. Well, no person can handle that. We needed the Holy Spirit in order to be able to do that. And the Holy Spirit is our source of peace. I am more and more convinced that that is why we pray. Not to have our prayers answered, per se, but to restore peace in our hearts. To restore Shalom. To bring us back in that communion with the Holy Spirit. It's been my experience in prayer. Especially when I pray together with my wife, Jean. That no matter what we are going through. Or no matter what challenge we are facing. We pray and then we always receive peace. We always receive strength to push forward. We do not always get an immediate solution to our concern or to our problem. We do not always get an answer that we may like. But we always, without fail, can now face the tribulation in peace. One time a young man came into my office uh, when I was serving a church, a, a former church. And he was visibly upset and panicked. He said I, I've been sitting in my car in the parking lot for an hour or two debating whether or not I want to come in and talk to you. He seemed so upset I was surprised because he seemed like he had it all. He was successful, he was young, he was handsome, but he said that he was having relationship trouble. He didn't really go into specifics so I wasn't really quite sure how to counsel him. But I asked him, because I could see how upset he was. I said, have you ever prayed together with your girlfriend? And he kind of said, you know, I thought about that. But no, I haven't. We never have. I I, I know I should. I don't think praying would have solved whatever relationship problem they were having right at that moment. But giving the Holy Spirit space to operate in our hearts in the midst of our relationships is an extremely powerful thing. Jesus breathed on his disciples for a reason, because they need the Spirit. There is no way that they were ever going to make it on their own wisdom. They needed God. So I began this message by talking about peace and quiet. And I'll just say I'm giving up on the quiet. The quiet is gone. I recognize I can't expect quiet until I did the math, 2036. That's when the younger set of twins would hopefully go away to a far, far away (laughs) college. Then maybe quiet is in the cards. But peace I'm not giving up on. Peace I still expect because peace is what Christ gives. That's what he promises, it's what he offers. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. He's the Prince of Peace. And as believers, as children of God, this is something that you have access to. Uh, My final illustration is a little bit dated, I guess. Maybe it doesn't make much sense anymore, but I thought it works, so here it is. It's like having a library card. When you have a library card in your hand and you walk into a library, you have a right to any book in that whole building that you see. If you want it, it's yours for two weeks or so at least. And then if you want to, you can renew it and have it for longer. So a library card is a very powerful thing. Our status as children of God is also a powerful thing. We have the right to peace in our lives. But we need to go to the circulation desk, which I call prayer, and we need to check it out. We need to grab it. And then we need to renew it on a regular basis. We need to go again and again to Him. There is no limit on renewing peace. It's offered over and over to us. Amen. And now may this peace, which Christ breathed onto his disciples, which he offers us because of his death on the cross, may this peace, which surpasses all understanding, guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.